0: Hello and welcome to another episode of You Know The One Where. Thank you for joining us. As always, I'm Stevie and you will soon hear the lovely vocal settings of Stephanie. I'm here to say hello and also to give a quick caveat. So when we recorded this episode, it was in February of 2019. It is now November of 2019. So I make some references to certain dates that make no sense now. I also mentioned that we're going to be doing a reactionary episode that we never did. We did it, but it did not turn out well. We are working through the issues that come along with having something new, a new podcast, new everything, and so we are working through the kinks. So there'll be some noises in the background, so please be happy to hear there's a tiny little puppy, the cutest little puppy I was pet sitting for my sister, and he likes to whimper and also chew on things. So if you hear weird bumps and whines, that's him saying hello. Other than that, we're really thankful for everyone, anyone who listens. If anyone wants to review and give us five stars, that would be fantastic. And if you do, we will read it over Um, the next episode. So if you go on Apple podcast or whatever podcast station you have and you want to leave us a five-star review, we'll definitely give you a shout out and read it out in the next episode. I mainly focus on Apple podcasts, but if you have a different podcast app, reach out to me. There's tons of time for me to communicate with all of you one listener (laughs) so if you want to feel free to reach out to us through instagram twitter and we have a blog you can check out as well so feel free to hit us up on all of those all of this information our contact information our blog information the sources we use anything you could possibly need will be in the description notes of the show and for more information reach out to me or go to our blog otherwise if you just want to sneak and listen get ready bye ready for some true, 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 crime. Yeah, 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 yes. Welcome to, you know, the one where, where shit gets real. Roll It gets true crime. It gets true, 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 true crime. So this week, I am really excited about this case because we are going to be covering a cult. A cult! I love cults. Me too. They are (laughs) one of my favorite things in the entire world to research and look into and study. But this one is a very small cult. So So, small side note, that's uh so funny that it's a cult tonight because earlier today
1: I was talking to my friend who's just gotten into online dating. And one of the questions you tend to get is, what what brings you to this app? Why are you online dating? Which is the worst question? Don't ever ask somebody on that because there's <laughs> many reasons somebody be on there. And it's basically a big sign that says, I'm insecure and I want to know what's wrong with you and why you're here. Yeah. And so I told her the next time that somebody asks her that, she should say that she's figured out that she is very charismatic and has leadership skills. And so she wants to start a cult <laughs> and she's trying to get members through Bumble oh my god that's so good she's gonna do it she's gonna do it next time but I'm excited Uh, (laughs) Oh,
0: the response is oh my gosh they're gonna be like oh my god I love cults or they're gonna be like ew what the fuck and we know that I love cult people are our kind of people or she's gonna accidentally actually start a cult and then we get to cover her as long as it you know cults are great until they turn into cults (laughs) all fun and games until someone dies (laughs) i was talking about like how it's really hard to define a cult because religious groups sports teams like weird shit can all be considered a cult cult followings of tv shows exactly internet gaming but the main thing which we've discussed before is what happens when you try to leave is what makes it a cult I agree. And how much brainwashing is involved. Yeah. Yep. So this one's a really small cult. I watched one of my favorite shows is People Magazine Investigates Cults. Yeah. Each week they pick a new cult and they talk about how it began. And then they talk about some people who were involved in the cult. And they've talked about a lot of cults that I didn't know that much about. But they've also talked about the bigger cults as well. So I think it's a it's a pretty fun show. I actually really like People Investigates. They have three shows. They have People Investigates, which is all true crime because, you know, people, those magazines where it has, like, what happened to Don Bonet? That kind of stuff that you see in stores. Yeah. And so they bring those to life with the actual investigators who researched it and worked on it, like, were reporting at the time. And then they talk to some people who were involved in the case or in the family and what they thought. And then there's People Investigates cults, which is the one I just talked about. And then there's People Investigates crimes of fashion, which... I haven't felt a need to watch, but I think it's like Gianni Versace and like Oh, it's not like critiquing people's outfits.
1: <laughs> no people no like, no You just murdered fashion.
0: It's no, like I think actual it's fashion murders. <laughs> no, I think it's crimes within the fashion industry, so probably modeling and shit. Oh Okay. Yeah. So anyways That'd be I interesting. I think I might have watched one episode on it but I can't remember because they're they're so similar. They're the same format and it's a great format. So So you are going to teach me about a cult. Yes. So this cult is known as the Word of Life Christian Church. Never heard of them. I hadn't heard of them until I saw this a year ago. It's such a memorable case, but it's a smaller case. So that's why it's not talked about as much. Anyways. So this church was in Chadwick's, New York, (laughs) which is an hour east of (laughs) Syracuse. Okay. So it was a really small community and Wait, what was the name of it? Chadswick's No, the name of the cult? The Word of Life Christian Church
1: What? My aunt was a part of this cult, I'm pretty sure
0: No, 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 no No, no, no,
1: no, no, no oh, oh, no, no, she was The Way She was in the cult oh, that was called the, the Way Sorry, I got scared because it was like The Word <laughs> Which is close to The Way So yeah. I'm like, that would have been So funny crazy. Oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, I know my aunt was a part of a cult for a while.
0: <laughs> Excuse me, how the fuck did I not know this?
1: You didn't know this? No That's like how she met her husband and we're like fairly sure that I don't know, we don't we we're not quite sure how not so much f- that was an influence, but yeah, they got married at the cult, and apparently I was there. You were a part of a cult wedding. Yeah, Mike, my, my mom
0: took me. Was well, she-
1: no, yeah, like my her. So they were allowed to like bring like so her family, so my mom, their dad, and stepmom and stuff were allowed to go, but they were like escorted everywhere, I guess, and they couldn't really explore <laughs> anywhere on the compound. And so they went to this wedding, and apparently I think I was there. Yes. <laughs> Yes, this is the aunt. I was there.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, when I was either really little or my mom was pregnant with me. Wow. So I, I count that as being there. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was, it was whatever is the way. Was, okay, man, I almost wish it was the word now. Anyway,
0: please. I, well, and they grew up in Syracuse, so that's yeah. why I was, like, so sure. <laughs> well, because this is such a small – it's the smallest cult I've ever heard of
1: okay okay so please continue
0: Anyways, so the word of life christian church in chads which is the most annoying city ever chad <laughs> wicks chad new york an hour east of syracuse The church originally started as a Bible study, so it wasn't actually a church to begin with. And these people would come to this Bible study and talk about the Bible and their religion and kind of have their own sermons a little bit. And then it turned into a non-denominational Christian church. And it started to get bigger and bigger. So they ended up buying an old school building and using it as their church so the school building was pretty big it was three floors and then they used the gymnasium as the church's sanctuary and then the third floor was the living quarters which i'll get to the church started out with multiple pastors, often with, like, churches. They have multiple pastors that do different ceremonies, and, and but the same kind of religion, obviously. But they also brought in other ministers and rabbis who were not members of the church and brought them in to speak and give sermons as well. Which I thought was very interesting because they're non-denominational, so they're bringing in all of these interesting people to give sermons. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, But then... It changed because one of the church members was a pastor at the church named Jerry Irwin. He started to get power hungry and he was not happy with the multiple pastors, and he wanted to be the only pastor. I feel like that's
1: the case for in a lot of cult situations where it's just somebody who wants control. It's just somebody who wants control of other people.
0: Exactly, And if you have
1: multiple people in charge then you can't be the one person in charge of everyone.
0: Exactly. And I think a lot of cults start off with like this good idea behind it that yeah. they want to do something good. And then one person takes it in the fucking
1: opposite direction. One person wrecks
0: it all. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why we can't have Christ. Yes. <laughs> because of all you fucking people. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so Jerry Irwin, he decided that he wanted to be the only pastor, so he started being very controlling, and he ended up pushing all of the pastors and ministers out and didn't allow any of them to come and, like, preach or give sermons. What a dickhead. Exactly. So as he came into power with the church people said that the freedom in the church actually was replaced with fear. So it became from like a a religious open community where ideas were flowing and and you kind of felt like you could be free to talk about God and uh, and kind of have these open conversations. And eventually it was just fear of Jerry.
1: I think that's another hallmark of cults where it like starts as the one thing and then they start using fear.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that's control. That's how you control people is fear. And I think with religion, it's an easier way to... Have fear because we don't, there's no way to know the truth. So you can kind of say whatever you want and scare the shit out of people to follow It's easier
1: to manipulate people that way of, like, interpretation and, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Jerry's belief was totally a cult thing. You need to break someone down to build them back up, which, you know, Scientology does. All of these cults, you've seen them say this, where we need to Well, that's how Heaven's Gate was, too. Yeah. We need to break you down to your raw core, and then we're going to build you back up with Christ or whatever- So they ended up, (laughs) Tate, you want to be a part of this cult. I do too. Just to get away from (laughs) all of you. No, I don't. You
1: wouldn't have to do anything if I was part of a
0: cult. (laughs) Oh, bitch. I'm about to get to that. So So they were sleep deprived because, which is one of the top ways to manipulate and brainwash someone is to deprive them of sleep. Yep. Even being sleep-deprived for a couple of days, you know, people go a little nuts in the religious aspects and the fear and the manipulation, and it can just kind of— I mean, I know how I am after, like, three days of decreased sleep, and
1: I would—you could tell me. I'm like, my brain's not all there, Mm -hmm. and you're just like, okay, you're going through the motions, Mm -hmm. way easier to control. And that's an interrogation technique, too, to get Mm -hmm. people to trip up.
0: Yep, exactly. And torture. They also were forced to do physical labor, and a lot of the physical labor was in relation to the building, so they had to do a lot of their own plumbing and electri- electrical work. So obviously things weren't up to code, and it was very dangerous work, and they would have to like, re-shingle the roof, or they would have to do all this, this extra work, and it was constant. They are constantly working. So the church ended up turning into a living place for a lot of these people and they were there a majority of the time. Some of them had houses, but some of them lived there. And one thing about Mr. Irwin is he believes he is a prophet and he believes that he speaks directly to God and he tells them this. And so he... (laughs) Irwin said that he could see and hear inside people's homes and one of his visions showed he and his family moving into the third floor of the church. Self-serving prophecies... Am I right? Yeah.
1: Oh, it just so happens that yeah. this thing that I just <laughs> foresaw totally benefits me. And I
0: always picture that so Raven.
1: <gasps> I just got a vision. <laughs>
0: which uh... I will never not see that now. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically told them that they needed to change the third floor into their living quarters. And it was just for the Irwins and the Irwins were Jerry Irwin and Tracy Irwin. They met through the church and they married. And then there was Tiffany Irwin, the daughter, and then there was the sons, Daniel and Joseph. So they ended up moving into this, Third floor, basically penthouse. I mean, obviously, it's in an old school building, so it's not, like, really nice. But there was a huge trampoline up there and, like, a trampoline room, basically... They had a basketball court, whirlpool tubs, and it was so big that the Irwins would use bicycles to drive between the rooms. Like, it's an old thing. You know school what house. that just reminded me of? You know the movie Big when he gets that lot, like, <laughs> that big apartment?
1: He's got the big trampoline in it and the bunk beds. That is literally what I'm picturing right now. Yes.
0: Irwin is basically a fucking child, which I
1: think a lot of cult I mean, leaders to are fair, too. If I became a leader of a cult and I could get people to do whatever I wanted, like, and if I were evil and had no conscience, that'd
0: be one of the first things I did. Yeah, I'm gonna set myself with a great Great living space. Fuck everything. (laughs) True, but I wouldn't be like. I want a trampoline and a basketball court. I want. God said that I must bounce. (laughs) So yeah. Anyways, they also had a ton of animals. They had birds, bunnies, and dogs, and they started breeding Yorkies.
1: Ew! I'm just now imagining the smell in that apartment. Yep.
0: Yep. It's yeah. Gross, and Ew. like, why are the breeding of the Yorkies like? Where did that decision come from? Like, <laughs> you know like, what? Are
1: they a divine breed or something? No,
0: I have no idea. <laughs> some cult leaders take a million lives, million wives, and some and, a million <laughs> and a million lives, and a million lives. I mean, not quite a million, but up there. So, like a lot of cults and extremists, especially extreme Christian groups. They wanted to get back to the basics and follow the Bible's teachings, which I have so many thoughts and opinions on. But basically, this revolved a lot about homosexuality in the church, which is not a surprise.
1: Don't be gay. That's literally, that's just what it was. Don't be gay.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing, like the, the whole marriage and like being fruitful and multiplying and all that, that stuff, too. But I always go back to, well, then you can't wear cotton and you can't use leather. And you like, why are those things ignored? You can't have chocolate.
1: You pick and choose what parts of the Bible are divine and that you want to follow that will help you lead a righteous life. But anything that's super inconvenient, we're just going to ignore that.
0: Yeah. And that stuff's like literal. Like that stuff, literally do not do this (laughs) because of this, whatever. I don't know. So getting back to the basics is mainly what frustrates me because if you're going to get back to the basics, get back to the basics, like everything.
1: So- now I'm imagining almost not that they're the same at all but I'm imagining like an Amish vibe mm-hmm. of going back to like before technology basics as well like of using things and doing things like they did in the Bible or more of just strictly following especially Old Testament rules.
0: Yeah. So it was definitely not I I think if it were an Amish lifestyle it'd be more understandable you could be like okay i can kind of get where they're coming from i do not agree with it but this was not that they still were like look at they had a beautiful freaking home they had electricity they had whatever they wanted you know they could dress how they wanted now they controlled the churchgoers and there was tv at the time but they weren't allowed to watch it there was internet but they it was monitored and there was um phone calls but those were monitored as well so Mm -hmm. they they allowed them and like They needed money. So these people worked out in the real world and had, you know, some of them had jobs and they needed to bring money into the the community so that they could afford to, you know, keep the schoolhouse and all that. So they said that they wanted to get away from, quote, decaying secular norms, which is all relative. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was also said that Irwin used racial slurs at church and would not allow churchgoers to take communion because they were all big sinners. (laughs) No. The point of fucking communion is to forgive your sins because God forgives your sins by partaking in the consumption of the body and blood of Christ or whatever. Right. So, like, that's how you are supposed to be, you know, relieved of your sins. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yet, so, that they were so sinful that they didn't deserve to be cleansed of (laughs) sin? Or, Uh, like... How does that work? I don't know Or that could have been another control That like okay it's not this way That you can become you know More divine and more righteous It's that only through me Can I cleanse you of your sins Because I am a prophet And I am Mm -hmm. a leader And that just gives him more control Over Mm -hmm. his people
0: True I never thought about that way I like to think that They didn't have enough money To buy those little wafers And the wine So they made it up (laughs) <laughs> That's just because I like I like the stupid stuff. I hate you. <laughs> I like to make things extra stupid. That's amazing. They were also told not to trust police and firemen, which is common is in cults. Another big reason why Jerry Irwin was seen as a prophet with divine powers is because he actually made a prophecy about one of the church members. Now, we don't know the entire basis of this, and there could be so many reasons why this came true, but he said that something was going to happen to a member of the church named Joan Ames, and she was later diagnosed with cancer and turned out to have five bleeding brain tumors. That ain't good. Yeah. And so she went into surgery to have the tumors removed, and she ended up having a stroke on the surgery table. Oh, no. And she went into a coma. So the doctors told the church members that she had no chance of living and that she was going to be in this coma and then eventually they're going to have to take her off life support. But the church members were praying and I guess Jerry had an epiphany and at that moment, supposedly, Joan woke up from the coma. Gotcha. So I have no idea how this worked, if it worked, if it's like exaggerated to make it seem like it was more in time with each other. You know, this is all coming from Joan's son. So Joan's son is now critical of the church, like he was involved in the church, but he's also critical of the church. But he does say that this happened and it was kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, like, maybe he was very lucky that he was correct in his prophecy. And, like, if it hadn't to come true, he would have found a way to explain it away.
0: Yeah, or maybe Joan told him that she was sick or not feeling well. And he was like, I think something bad's gonna happen to Joan. And then by a miracle, she survived. Because if she hadn't survived, then he could have done the whole, well, God needed her, you know, kind of turned it around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... It's not entirely sure, obviously, because there's only one person telling the story, but who knows? Who knows? So, good old Jerry. So Jerry believed that he was a part of the Holy Trinity and was a member of God's inner circle. It was said that it was God, Adam and Eve, (laughs) Jesus, and Jerry. (laughs)
1: Imagine like God, Jesus, and Adam and Eve all at the table up in heaven and then all of a sudden who the fuck is Jerry? Like what's
0: Jerry doing? Yeah, I picture it as like Peggy in Hamilton. God, Adam and Eve. And Peggy. (laughs) Yeah. And Jerry. So he kind of started to obviously get full of himself even more. Or yeah. like
1: with, with his parishioners, it's like Barb on
0: Stranger Things. They're like, but what about Jerry? <laughs> Why is nobody talking about Jerry? <laughs> Jerry was there, God damn it! <laughs> I was like, where's Jerry? As he got more power hungry, he, it got very hostile. And if he was not happy, like everyone was unhappy and he would get very, very angry. Then there
1: you like wake up and you're like, oh, so-and-so's not happy today. It's going to be a shit day. Fuck.
0: <laughs> Might as well just go back to bed. That's like if I wake up. <laughs> Stephanie's had a shit day. My poor roommate. Oh, it's going to be a day. <laughs> At least she doesn't have to do physical labor for you. How do you know? Maybe I'm that bad of a roommate. She's a cult leader within her own apartment. Woah, woah, <laughs> don't, don't, do Jerry, who? Jerry ain't got nothing on Stephanie. <laughs> In comes our family, our new family. So people said that Jerry had this strange presence about him, and they they kind of felt like he may be a prophet or maybe something special there. Maybe it was just his narcissism and like psychopathy poking on through. I don't know, or like at least. <laughs> I don't know, because that's what they say about, like, Ted Bundy, and, like, they had this presence about them. This this charismatic
1: presence, and then sometimes the mask slips.
0: Exactly. And so that's why people believed he was a prophet prophet of God, because they would feel this weird connection with him. Mm -hmm. So in comes our main man, Bruce Leonard. Bruce Leonard was looking for something. He had just gotten divorced and he was raising a daughter by himself and he wanted more out of life. And so he was talking to friends who were actually involved in the Word of Life Church. And they said, hey, you should come. And he ended up meeting Jerry Irwin. And supposedly, Jerry said something to Bruce that no one had known and made him believe instantly in this guy's connection with God wholeheartedly. Now, what? I want to fucking know all of these. He said this, blah, blah, blah. I want to fucking know. I'm so angry about this. Okay, like, all of a sudden you went into this whole thing and I, like, thought you were, like, choking or going <laughs> a stroke. I don't know. You just went into this whole little thing and I wasn't expecting it. It was out of nowhere. That's Sorry, so I just get so angry because I've tried to look this up because, you know, Bruce is still on this earth. So I want to know what the fuck. Oh, spoilers. Well, we don't care about Bruce. We're going to get real mad at oh. Bruce real soon. So Bruce liked Jerry. <laughs> so Jerry said something to Bruce. We have no idea what the fuck it is. And that's what makes me so angry. That made him instantly believe that Jerry was a prophet. Like, I'd want to know exactly what that was because I want to know what someone would have to say to me for me instantly to believe that they were a prophet.
1: Yeah, like you want to know if, did Jerry truly say the right thing or was Bruce just so ready to believe in someone that like mm. maybe, you know, when people are ready to see something, they, yeah. they'll they take whatever it is and yeah. they'll be like, yay! yeah. What if it was something really stupid? Like Jerry and be like, oh, by the way, I'm a prophet. And he was like, oh my God,
0: <laughs> you're a prophet. It did say that Jerry told Bruce something that no one had known. So it definitely was something in particular to Bruce. That's where my next thought comes in.
1: So remember, you've though. always wanted a dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something that everybody wants. My whole thought process was it was kind of like the Jim Jones thing, where he would tell people that he was a prophet, but he would have his like people go out and talk to the parishioners to find out like, oh, this person's yeah. son is da 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 da, and so he would know these things, but it's because he would talk to somebody. So my whole thing is these friends were a part of Word of Life Church before Jerry was. So I don't. So they probably before talked Bruce to Jerry. Was. Bruce was. Yeah. So they might have gone and told Jerry about Bruce and, and maybe Bruce didn't remember telling people about it or something weird like that.
1: And maybe Jerry did the thing that a lot of fake psychics do where they kind of start generally and mm-hmm. then they go more specific. And then it's like, what? How did you know when you actually led them there in the first place? Not realizing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I, I mean, there's honestly, there is one way to know, but I don't think Bruce will ever talk. But so are, are we going to go talk to Bruce? <laughs> no, I think that would be a terrible decision, which we'll figure out. We're all soon here. Okay. okay, okay. Let's let's move on. Yes. Bruce had his daughter, Crystal, and she was a teenager at the time, and so this became their life, this church. While at this church, Bruce met a woman named Debbie, and Debbie and him started a relationship and ended up getting married. So Debbie had two kids of her own, Whitney and Sarah, from a different relationship, so they became half-siblings. Nope. Step-siblings. There and, you go. Yep. And then Bruce and Debbie had two children two sons one named christopher and one named lucas so those were the half siblings of the other siblings So at the time that Lucas and Christopher were born, Crystal was 16 years old. Older than the first, I think, Lucas. So she kind of like helped raise them a little bit. She was more of like a mother because she was so much older than her siblings. And so she was a big part of the church actually. She became a church leader. She led Bible school. She was really close to her brothers. She said that Lucas was the smart aleck and the jokester and kind of picked on her and they had like a brother-sister relationship. And that Christopher was very quiet and very reserved, but they were pretty close as a family. At this time, when Crystal was a teenager, I don't know exactly how old she was and didn't say, but she was informed that the Irwins were going to pick a husband for her. And she was told it was her responsibility to rein this man in, which I actually have seen a lot of things about this where like certain people will marry certain people to get them to be stronger in the church or to be stronger in the cult. And like people will date people To get them to be in their religion, kind of like I forget what it's called. Yes, it's there's a name for it, but.
1: Yeah but yeah Like you start dating someone And be like Oh well this isn't really Important to me Like you should Look into my religion And and if we're gonna be together You have to be a part Of my religion And kind of like Get them in that way
0: Yeah but then they don't Actually have feelings for them They're just trying to get them in
1: Yeah Yes so That's sad
0: Yeah so this person Was a member of the church already But I'm guessing This guy had like You know questions About the church And so she was told It was her responsibility To rein him in And keep him strong In the church And these kind of assignments From the Irwins Were seen as directions Directly from God Like they weren't just you need to do this it was god is telling you to do this and if you don't do this you're going to hell or you're gonna be punished yeah so no pressure yeah so crystal had maybe met this guy but didn't know him very well and they ended up getting married so at this time the erwin kids were also growing up and they had free reign of the church obviously because they were the sons and daughter of the head (laughs) erwin the head erwin um they kind of could do whatever the hell they wanted Tiffany had a special place in her father Jerry's heart. She was like the apple of his eye. And he kind of made her almost seem like she was like a gift from God. So she was treated like freaking royalty. When she became a teenager, she was ordained as a minister in the church. And she ended up to take over the role for Jerry. So Jerry ended up getting really sick. But the Uh-oh. parishioners weren't didn't know this. They just thought Tiffany was taking over the majority. But it turned out that he was very sick and he ended up dying of a stroke. Whoa. Yes.
1: I wasn't expecting that.
0: Exactly. So people in the church were like, well, he's not supposed to die. He can't get sick and die. He's supposed to like heal himself like he healed Joan and he's supposed to resurrect and he's this prophet. And so they prayed and prayed and were waiting for him to rise and they were shocked that he died,
1: which. It reminds me once again of Heaven's Gate when the one, when the woman had person T. Mm-hmm or whatever, when mm-hmm. she died. Mm-hmm. And everybody was really, really surprised.
0: Yeah. It also reminds me of Scientology because I was watching Scientology in the Aftermath, the most recent season, and they were talking about Shelley Miskevich and how she could still be in the church because I, I think personally that she was killed. I think she's dead. But a lot of the Scientologists think that she's alive, but that she's being held somewhere because she knows too much. Oh. And so I was thinking, well, why would they just hold her there and not show her, like, show people that she's alive and well? And they said... It's because she may not believe in David Miscavige, but she still might believe in L. Ron Hubbard. And she may think that L. Ron Hubbard is coming back because there are Mm. many people in the church who are so involved. Like there was this one guy, he was the lead ship driver for the Sea Org. This one member went up to him and was like, can you believe like what's wrong with Miscavige? And the guy was like, I don't care. He's fucking crazy, but I'm waiting for L. Ron Hubbard. And the guy was like, what? So they're so in this... Brainwash. I mean, Shelley grew up in the church. She went in when she was like 11 or 12. So that's what she grew up on. She was raised on Scientology. She had no other mind frame. So in my mind, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. When you're raised in this kind of organization, it's like the only thing you know. They didn't go to real school. They were homeschooled at this. Fucking right. They don't
1: have any other experiences to compare it to. They don't necessarily know that this isn't the rest the way the rest of the world works. They just think mm-hmm. this is the way the world works.
0: Exactly. So yeah, so they all believed that he was going to rise and they were really shocked when he wasn't. Obviously, Tiffany took over and she was now a prophet of God. And she said that she spoke directly with God and that she was in charge now. At this point, she was 25 years old. So she was pretty young, but she had grown up with this sense of I'm better than you kind of thing. So she instantly went into the power role and she was even worse than Jerry. Really? Yeah, much worse.
1: Controlling-wise.
0: Yeah. So she was much... Tougher to satisfy. Like I said, they weren't people weren't allowed to watch TV. They could only use internet access, very limited. They couldn't talk to anyone outside of the church. She expected all of them to give not only their time but also the, any money that they have to the church. And even if they did all that they could, she still wasn't satisfied. She was very authoritarian, and she used her brothers as like her enforcers. So yeah. Joseph, yeah. So Joseph and Daniel were like her bodyguards, and they were really big guys, really big. And during church sessions, they carried a bowie knife attached to a harness in their jeans. Now that's a knife. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, so I could not imagine going to fucking church and seeing two men with a Friggin' big knife. Yes, and both of them have them on their fucking hips. Like, what do you think's gonna fucking happen? Uh, they, they not were also, good things. Yeah, they were also big weapons heads. So they had guns and knives and brass knuckles and anything you can think of that would cause harm to another human.
1: How very Christian.
0: Yeah. So they used fear and intimidation to get control of the church members. When someone was seen as to have sinned, they were required to undergo quote-unquote counseling sessions with the Irwins.
1: That doesn't sound pleasant.
0: No. So they were like confessionals. However, they eventually turned into interrogations. And I can kind of compare it to Scientology auditing, where they basically ask you all these questions and tell you that you're lying or tell you, like, to tell them your deepest, darkest secrets. And then, you know, she said she could talk to God, so she knew when they were telling the truth. And I said, it's basically like Scientology without the stupid, useless little machines that they claim to be able to tell if they're trying to lie or not. Oh my God. (laughs) Because God is their machine. (laughs) Oh my God. So... People ended up, you know, confessing to things that weren't true just to get out of there. Like, this would go on for hours. Yeah. They would threaten them. So they were just it's like... basically torture. Yep. They were forced to write lines sometimes. Like, there was one person who wrote, I will not lie and I will not be rebellious, like, a thousand times. And...
1: It's like umbrage uh, type of shit. <laughs> my dad
0: used to make me fucking do that. I can remember. Me and my brother misbehaved one time. And my dad made us write... I will not misbehave with my brother and sister a thousand times, and I had to have it done by a certain time, so I was in, like, third grade fucking writing lines at school. Oh my god. Trying to get through them. It was weird. It was was a weird time. (laughs) Anyways, so it's a very weird punishment to give adults, but whatever. Um, And she said that she knew when they were lying. So she would basically manipulate them for hours and they would just say whatever she wanted them to say. So a lot of this anger. Oh, I forgot to say. So this church is actually really small with only about five families, which constituted about 35 members. So this is a small fucking church. Yeah. And so that's why their focus on the Leonards was such a big deal was because there was so little of them. Right, so, like, anything new or anybody, like, it's like a magnifying glass. Exactly. So, they focused on the Leonard's because Tiffany believed that parents should discipline their children and use, like, corporal punishment in some situations when necessary. Uh Uh-huh. And she thought the Leonard's weren't tough enough on their kids. So, from what the Leonard kids have said, they were very, you know, they never really hit them. They never really, you know, punished them the way that Tiffany wanted them to. right. Yeah, and so eventually Tiffany told the Leonards that she believed that the devil and demons were entering the boys' bodies, so Lucas and Christopher's bodies, and that they needed to do something about it.
1: Uh Uh-oh, what is something? I know.
0: So, however, they were just being teenage boys. I couldn't find anything that they actually did. There was a lot of, like, conjecture, but for the most part, his older sister Crystal was like, they were just being teenage boys and were questioning the church and, you know, rightfully trying to. Yeah, make. the
1: way teenagers trust question everything. Exactly.
0: However, the family believed Tiffany and not the sons. Uh-oh. Yes. The more oppressive the church got, the more people started leaving the church. People were like, I'm not fucking dealing with this. This made things worse with Tiffany because she needed the money to continue the church. So all these people leaving and not bringing in the money, they weren't able to pay like their bills. So she was getting more and more angry and more and more forceful and getting money from people. So she told the people who left or wanted to leave that God was going to punish them, punish their families, and terrible things would happen to all of their family members. However, of Tiffany was so terrible that people were like, fuck it, I will take the wrath of God over your bitch ass. Oh my god! <laughs> so in 2014, um, Tiffany had said during a church speech sermon that god told her that someone was going to give her a large sum of money to the church and that if this person did not obey someone in their family was going to die oh okay so at the end of that sermon joseph irwin so tiffany's you know domineering piece of shit brother went to crystal and said she was talking about you god told us it was you And you need to give us money or someone in your family is going to die. And so she was kind of like, what do I do? She was a stay-at-home mom. They didn't have a lot of income to give to the church. They were already giving as much as they could. Right. So she was really scared. For about six weeks, she didn't give them anything. And they, they were getting kind of more pushy and pushy. And so she was freaking out. But then she was like, I can leave. Like, I don't need to be a part of this. She kind of was questioning it to begin with. So she left. So her and her family left. She emailed her dad and Tiffany and said she was done. She was out.
1: They noped out of there. Yep.
0: Something tells me that ain't going to go down well. Yeah. Sadly, you're correct. Well, yeah. Obviously, they didn't respond because, like, every other cult, you get cut off from everybody if you leave. So they pretend like, that she didn't even exist. But she felt that God was actually leading her out of the church and was giving her an opportunity to leave the church and making her realize that where she was wasn't healthy and wasn't her like wasn't God. It was something was really wrong. So she ended up being really happy and she started going to a new church and she was really happy with her freedom. Her and her family were doing really well and she was sad that she couldn't talk to her siblings but she knew that this was what was best for her. In August of 2014, a couple months after Crystal had left, Crystal went to a birthday party of a family member of the Leonard's, and she saw her dad and her brother Lucas there, which she wasn't expecting because, you know, they're not allowed to communicate with outside people, but they went to this birthday party, and they ended up having a really nice chat and really nice interaction, and, you know, they talked to each other, and they hugged each other, and they were happy to see each other, and it went really well. So in August of 2015, the next year, Crystal got a text from Lucas asking if he could go to church with her and stay with her for a couple of days. And she was, like, so fucking excited. She was like, oh, my God. Because Lucas was 19 at the time. So she was like, you know, maybe he's getting out. Maybe he's I smell a rat. This can't be good. You're. I get where you're going, but No. So Crystal's like, yeah, of course, you're always welcome here. Come with me and you can stay with me as long as you want. So he ended up coming over and they went to church together. They had a good time. And Lucas ended up not staying over at Crystal's house. Now, it's not sure why he didn't. He said he had to go back home, but she was thinking that maybe this was him finding a way to leave the church and maybe figuring his way out. Yeah. She told him, she was, her door was always open. You can text me anytime I'm here for you. And Crystal never heard from Lucas again. And she actually didn't hear from her family again until the evening of October 12th, 2015. So this was like three months after. Okay. She actually got a call saying that Lucas was dead. Oh. From someone in the church, I think. So she texted her father and her stepmom and was like, what the fuck is going on? So not, you know, she was a godly woman but um, yeah. <laughs> but she was like what is going on what do they mean lucas is dead what what is going on but sh- she was shocked and confused and no one was responding to her so she was getting like frustrated right so now we go back to what actually happened lucas was 19 and his brother christopher was 17 it was october 11th and they had just gotten out of church at like 9 p.m and tiffany had asked the leonards to stay after church for a counseling session as we talked about earlier So, it turned out that Lucas's half-sister Sarah, so Debbie's daughter from another marriage, told Tiffany that Lucas had gone to church with Crystal. So, basically, his half-sister told on him, and Tiffany was, like, pissed, saying that their parents didn't do anything about it, and they didn't discipline him, and so they needed to go to this counseling session. Okay. So, Sarah came, the half-sister Sarah came, Tiffany went, Tiffany's two brothers went, Bruce and... Debbie, the parents were there, and then Lucas and Christopher, the two boys. During the counseling session, Lucas and Christopher were accused of doing witchcraft and voodoo, voodoo, and that they were doing this to bring harm to Tiffany. Like I said, I couldn't find any of this information, but supposedly they made voodoo dolls of Tiffany, which (laughs) I think is fucking awesome. Make voodoo dolls of whoever the fuck you want. Live your life. (laughs) right so but obviously I don't know if they actually did it there's a lot of like weird like what constitutes witchcraft in a church you know like in 2015 yeah exactly so they were questioning them they were like um no we didn't do this and then Tiffany told Sarah that Christopher and Lucas had been sexually abusing her children so Sarah's children and they needed to repent whoa yes so in the documentary I watched the TV show, they said that even after all of the investigation that this was untrue. But later I'll tell you something I found out in a newspaper article. So right now, we're gonna, we think that this is completely unfounded because it is for at least Lucas. Which we'll cover in more depth later. Lucas. So Lucas and Christopher denied this and at the time there was no evidence of this and it was believed that Tiffany kind of just said this to get Sarah pissed. And so they were accusing the boys of this and the boys denying everything because they didn't do it. The family believed everything that Tiffany was saying and was asking them to repent. Like she believed everything. Or they believed everything, Bruce and Debbie. So they continued to deny it until eventually Joseph Irwin, the brother, punched the boys in the stomach. And then they started slapping them. And they continued to deny and continued to deny. And the Leonards were just watching this happen to their sons. So things just started to escalate and Tiffany was telling Bruce that he was not a good father and couldn't control his children and that Lucas had gone to a different church and he didn't even do anything about it. So then Bruce picked up a computer cord and started whipping the boys with this computer. Whoa. Yes. They continue to ask them these questions they continue to deny they end up putting one boy out in the hall while the other boy's getting beat and the one boy's wearing headphones and ear like earplugs so that he can't hear the other boy screaming and Holy it's shit. just a fucking horror scene they ended up putting a tarp down underneath him so that he wouldn't bleed all over the carpet
1: Oh my god, that's never a good thing. That, that that That's never a good thing.
0: Exactly. And so after the crime scene was looked at, the electrical cord that they used of the computer was bent. Like, the prongs were bent as if you had ripped them out of the wall sideways. And then the part where the cord head meets the actual cord, like, where the uh, hard yeah, was just broken. Like, it was, like, like, basically, like, you had fucking whipped something with it a billion times.
1: Oh no. Oh, these poor boys. <sighs> yes.
0: So... They were kicked, punched, and whipped with the computer cord for over 10 hours. It's between 10 and 15 hours.
1: Holy crap. They weren't messing around.
0: No. So it started at 9 p.m. on Sunday, October 11th, and continued until noon on Monday, the 12th obviously they started admitting to anything just to stop the beating just to make it
1: stop yeah you can get anybody to say anything at that rate
0: exactly and it was reported that potentially Luke was being sarcastic and like basically just saying like of course you know kind of being like you want me to say this I'll fucking say this like kind of being sassy yeah. and just they admitted to everything including the inappropriate behavior towards Sarah's children which, Okay. again we'll cont- we'll talk about that in a second then Sarah started stomping on their genitals. Oh. yeah. And most of the abuse was between, like, their torso and the knees. They continued to beat the boys, continued to beat the boys, and then eventually Bruce called it off after, like, 10 to 15 hours of abuse saying that they had to stop and take him to the hospital because they thought Lucas was dead. He wasn't responding anymore. They left Christopher at the church, and they bring Lucas to the hospital in a van. So it's 12.20 p.m. A van pulls up to the hospital and Debbie, Bruce, Tiffany, Tracy, and Lucas are all in this van. Debbie runs out and tells the hospital guard that either her son or someone is in the van bleeding and not breathing. So they run out to the van where Tracy is giving CPR to Lucas, and then the other people are just like standing around him. They put him on the ground and they try to resuscitate him. The hospital staff brings out their like emergency team, and they can't get a response from him, so they put him on the gurney, bring him into the hospital, and he's pronounced dead minutes later. Oh no. At the time, hospital staff didn't know what had caused this. Obviously, they didn't know all this had gone on. Yeah. So they saw that he was covered in blood from his waistband of his jeans. Ordeal. Well, from the waistband of his jeans all the way to his ankles and his socks were filled with blood. Like, this wasn't a joke. Like, he was profusely bleeding they pulled off his pants to see where the bleeding was coming from and his penis was like destroyed. And so they thought he got shot in the penis. They thought it was a gunshot. Whoa. That's how bad it was. So they called the police thinking it was a gunshot, but also like this isn't a normal thing. So they called the police and the police came in. Right. And luckily the garden hospital staff had gotten all of the family and the Irwin's to come into the hospital and they were questioning them about what happened. The hospital on staff, police came, but then the, um, jurisdictional police came to. They start asking them what happens and they're not talking. So they bring them into the station. They bring them all in separately and the Irwins stop communication. They ask for a lawyer instantly. But the Leonards don't talk at all. So they're all separated, but the Leonards just don't cooperate whatsoever. And so they're getting frustrated because like your son, they don't know he's dead yet, but your son is bleeding, possibly dying, and you're not going to help us. So they are like, what the fuck is going To tell us what happened. Exactly. So while this happened, the police kind of gave up on them for that time. They put him in the interrogation room, told him to wait, and then they went back to the hospital staff. And the hospital staff said that he had severe bruises from his mid-thigh to his chest, which you can see pictures of it. And it's honestly the worst bruising I've ever seen in my entire life, like... Oh, my
1: God. I... Are you going to put that up on the blog? or are you? In... I,
0: I couldn't find the pictures of it online. I could only find it in that documentary. So I'm going to put that oh, okay. information up there. During this time, they were still obviously recording in the police station. So they could see all of the people in their rooms. And all of a sudden, Bruce starts praying out loud. And he says, I thank you, Jesus, for bringing good into an impossible situation
1: what what good was in I, this situation
0: i i i literally have no idea what the fuck he is talking about at this point he doesn't know lucas is dead but still he is just yeah i don't know i just i don't get it i don't get it at maybe all. he sees it as their ticket out i don't know i think maybe if you
1: were looking for a ticket out you maybe wouldn't have beaten your son to death
0: yeah and it was said that he thought that if you made tiffany happy he and his family would get a ticket to heaven So maybe he had some weird... Oh, maybe that. Yeah. I don't know. Eventually, the police know that they have to inform the family that Lucas is dead. So they go in and tell Bruce and Debbie separately. And Bruce breaks down. And he starts sobbing. They're like, okay, well, now he's going to help us. His son's dead. You know, he should be able to help us now. You know? There's no... You got to talk to us because your son... They don't think he's involved. Like, they don't know what the fuck's going on. So... They continue to ask him questions, and he continues to not answer. The autopsy was completed at this time, and it was determined that he died due to blunt force trauma, causing multiple contusions to the torso and lower extremities. His penis had been lacerated during the beating. He died because the bruises in his body began to create a poison in his body, which started attacking his organs, and when he went into organ failure. Mm. So I looked into this to see kind of what happened, and basically... He died due to hemorrhagic shock. Because of the severe blood loss, he wasn't getting adequate oxygen delivery to on a cellular level. So it's called cellular hypoxia, so lack of oxygen mm-hmm. in the cells. And since it wasn't circulating and getting pumped through the whole system, that means the oxygen isn't being delivered to the necessary organs, which led to the toxicity in the body, which in turn led to the organ failure and death. Okay. And so when people die of blood force injuries, especially into the internal organs, the internal bleeding, the bleeding isn't what kills them. It's that their blood isn't circulating through through the body. So it's the
1: blood loss, effectively.
0: Yes, because it's not circulating to the correct places. So the blood's right. obviously still there. But
1: Well, that's how internal internal bleeding is still blood loss.
0: Yes, it's just you just can't see it. Yeah, so since yeah. the blood is being lost, it's <laughs> one just, of my, what? One of my favorite
1: Brooklyn Nine-Nine quotes is like, they tell the guy that he has internal bleeding. He's like, see, I'm fine.
0: That's where the blood is supposed to be. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that episode. But yeah, exactly. The police start talking to Debbie. And so Debbie's not answering, but like they'll ask her specific questions and she'll kind of give them a hint. And I don't know why, but she eventually tells them that this happened at the church. So I think Julie basically asked like, what were you doing last night? And she said, we were at church. And so they instantly went to the Word of Life church to see what the fuck was going on. The police team is sent in there, and they find a bloody mess. There's blood on the floor, blood on the wall. They find that this one chair in the middle of the room with bloodstains on the floor and paper, bloody paper towels everywhere. This is obviously the crime scene. So they continue to look around the building, and they end up finding Christopher in the church. And they took him in for questioning. Then they realized that he was... Also a victim. So because they were focusing all of their... They couldn't see his bruises
1: right away. Yes, they
0: eventually saw him on his arms and his hands. He had some, like, defensive wounds from, like, holding up his hands. But for the most part, he looked okay. And then he took off his shirt, and he took off his pants, and he had these same injuries. And so he was taken instantly to the hospital. And they said that he, if he hadn't gone to the hospital within the next couple of days, he would have died as well due to his kidneys failing. Mm-kay. So it was fucking terrible. So he ended up getting admitted to the hospital and he was being treated for kidney failure. They bring Christopher in and Christopher starts telling them what actually happened. And they tell him all about the counseling session and who was involved. And so the police end up arrest arresting the six individuals who were involved. Mm-hmm. So there was Bruce and Debbie Leonard, their parents, Sarah Ferguson, their half sister, David Morey and Linda Mori who I have no idea who the fuck they are, and then Joseph Irwin, her brother. Maybe David is her other brother, but why wouldn't he have his dad's last name? Unless he was like...
1: Maybe he was a stepson?
0: Maybe. Good question. (laughs) We'll never know the answer to but I'm pretty sure that's the other brother because I know that both of them were involved. So they were all arrested and brought in for questioning, and they determined that Sarah had done most of the inflicting of the deadly injuries to Lucas because that was the extensive bleeding in his genitals. So I think because they were beating him and punching him with the cord and it was kind of like it wasn't all directed in one area, which led to the major internal bleeding because she stomped.
1: Right, but they were all a part of it. Even if you didn't do anything, if you're standing in that room, you are a part of it.
0: Exactly. They were all arrested. Debbie Leonard, the mother, pled guilty to first and second degree assault and was sentenced to five years in prison. For killing That's it? her son and abusing her other son. Bruce Leonard, the father, pled guilty to felony assault and was sentenced to 10 years. Made S- better, but not great. Yep. Sarah Ferguson, the boy's half-sister, went to trial and was found guilty of manslaughter and assault, but was sentenced to 25 years because she had the harshest sentence because she inflicted the fatal blows.
1: Yeah. Which... I mean, 25 years is a lot, but...
0: No, I think that they all should have twenty five years. It's just crazy that yeah, they all if weren't, not more, or, or that they should have at least been more close equal because they all partook in it. They all stood by. None of them did anything. Yeah, the only person, I agree. the only person who did anything was Bruce, and he did it because he thought he was dead. So Joseph Irwin was sentenced to first degree gang assault and was sentenced to eight years in prison. Daniel Irwin, so it was Daniel, not David. So I don't know who the fuck the Morries are, but they're assholes. <laughs>
1: I don't think, I don't think, I <laughs> do like not even a part of the family to be like, oh, but well, we'll participate, oh, oh, there's going to be a beaten? like, we'll be I don't there. know, yeah. They, like, it's
0: like a charade night. <laughs> well, they didn't get, as far as I can see, they didn't get sentenced to anything, so maybe they were just originally arrested and then let go, I don't know. Like, they weren't even there in the first place, they popped their head like, oh, we were just wondering if you wanted to play, oh, 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 <laughs> what's going on here? Oh, slowly back out, crab walk away. Um, I
1: didn't see anything.
0: I was never here. But let me, like, get a few swipes in. <laughs> Hello, future Stevie here again. So I actually have an update on this, who the Moris are. <laughs> so the Moris actually were sentenced and charged. They were a part of it. There's not a ton of information about why they were there and what they had, like, what the point of they being them was, (laughs) but Linda Morey, age 55, and her son David Morey, age 27, ended up pleading guilty to assault, and they both got sentenced to five years in prison. So they were there, and they were sentenced, but they're just random people that I have no idea why they were involved. But just so we are aware, we now know who the Moreys are, and they are also assholes and pieces of shite. Continue, past Stephanie and past Stevie. Thank you. Okay, so Daniel Irwin, the other brother, he was sentenced to two years for false imprisonment, which makes sense. They said he was the most remorseful and that he, like, the sister was like, she could tell he, this, like, he was just... So upset that he had been a part of this. I don't think he actually inflicted any of the pain. Obviously, he was completely involved in not helping anyone and holding him against his will. But his sister said that out of all of them, including her parents, her dad and her stepmom, he was the only one who showed true remorse. Mm. was Daniel. Which is kind of fascinating. Well, I mean, still he did a fucking shitty thing. Still dead. Yeah. Tiffany Irwin pled guilty to manslaughter and assault and was sentenced to 12 years in prison. The cult is supposedly not a thing anymore. Christopher, so this is where we get to the weird touching inappropriately area. Okay. On if
1: it happened or not.
0: Yeah. So in the documentary I watched, they basically says there was no evidence of it. it. It just didn't make sense. They felt like it was a ruse that Tiffany told Sarah to make Sarah enraged. But then there is a clip of Christopher in court admitting to touching Sarah's children inappropriately.
1: Which like it's just hard because if he was so it, he's in this cult right against mm-hmm. his will because he's a kid mm-hmm. and he's basically been brainwashed in mm-hmm. a sense mm-hmm. and then he suffered this horrible ordeal where he he could have very well been falsely confessing mm-hmm. so it's weird that he would also confess in court and to it's that
0: his, and it's his half sister about to go to jail how for a old, really how long old was time he? he was seventeen
1: yeah I don't know like I'd like to I'm not just gonna dismiss it out of hand. Mm-hmm. But it is wonky.
0: Yeah. And no one ever said any inkling that Lucas did anything. So it's kind of a gray area. And so that's why most of the places that you read information about this case and like the TV documentaries and stuff, they all say that there was no inappropriate behavior towards children. There was no child abuse except for that one clip of him testifying at trial. So. but I mean
1: the Catholic Church also says the same thing exactly
0: yeah 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 like, but these I don't know yeah. how much
1: weight that actually has
0: yeah so the kids were interviewed they said nothing ever happened they were brought to doctors they told the doctors nothing happened they told psychiatrists nothing happened so the kids are saying that nothing bad ever happened but obviously hmm. again, it's that area where you'll ne- it's hard to really know for yeah. sure yeah.
1: yeah that's a tough one
0: so Christopher ended up returning to high school. So, I think he, this might have been the first time he went to a real high school because I think he was homeschooled. So, it said that he is adjusting to life outside of the church and away from his family. So, I don't know who he's with. I don't know what's going on. All That's all they said. I mean, um, if I were him, I wouldn't want anything to do
1: with my family ever again. Like, fuck no. you guys. I'm never talking to you again. I'm getting, I'm noping out of here and bye.
0: I wonder if he has communication with Crystal though.
1: Maybe. That I could maybe see. Yeah especially if you are going to excommunicate your family if you are that mad and have gone through something that traumatic hopefully maybe crystal is a source of comfort to him yep, exactly. maybe she's a good support or well, you she- want to get rid of everyone because you don't want any any doors open to them whatsoever i could also see that
0: yep yep so hopefully he's doing well and you know yeah. trying to move forward now the question that is always asked is why and how could this happen? And the Ames family, who were a big part of this church, said, unless you live through something like that, it's hard for anyone to grasp. So many people go, well, why did not you leave sooner? You don't realize you're breathing carbon dioxide until you breathe oxygen again.
1: That's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, which made a whole lot of sense to me when I read that. Yeah,
1: sometimes you don't know how deep you are until you're already way too fucking deep
0: like the whole Scientologist coming out of Scientology and they're like, what the fuck is going on?
1: Or a more romantic version uh, is Pride and Prejudice. I was halfway there before I realized I'd even begun.
0: <laughs> oh, Mr. Darcy. just mangled the quote. It's your favorite book. You can mangle the quote. <laughs> I think that means that I shouldn't mangle the quote. So a book is coming out. Actually, I was Googling, trying to find more about the intricacies and like the little details where I wasn't able to find like a ton of information on, especially like the child abuse allegations and all of that. And there's actually a book coming out in August of 2019. So this year, August, it's called- Book Club! Yeah. It's called Without a Prayer, The Death of Lucas Leonard and How One Church Became a Cult. Ooh. Yep. And it's by Susan Ashline. So I put it on my Amazon wishlist. So when it comes out, I'll be notified. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, you well, know, I'll, I'll want to read that too. Yeah, because there's, you know, it's one of those cases where every case you come across, you get different reports. Like one story says this and one story says that. For the most part, they follow the same lines. But when like I read the book on one of the people that we're going to cover... In a future episode, Larry Jean Bell. And I got such... Uh, don't even... <laughs> okay, quick secret for we're all... we ringing that bell again. <laughs> so, we recorded Larry Jean Bell for two parts. And both of them were absolutely fucking terrible. So, I'm waiting until Stephanie forgets because she has the memory of a goldfish. And we're going to re-record it. And so, that one's going to be an interesting one. But I read an entire...
1: Wasn't this the one that the first time we tried to record, I was in the middle of a snowstorm and then my power
0: cut, my internet went out and then my power went out? Yep. And then the second time we tried recording, Tate was terrible and would not stop whining. And so we couldn't, and we couldn't get through it. I think we were also just couldn't stop laughing.
1: Yeah, we could. It was just (laughs) too stupid at that point.
0: But anyways, I read a whole book on that case and it gave me like 10 times more information than anything could. Because obviously there's not going to be a a documentary that's 18 hours long with every in-depth detail. You never know. how Making
1: a murderer was probably that long.
0: True. And that's what I want on every single case. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I want all of the nitty gritty details. The nitty gritty details. Yeah. I want to know everything from start to finish because I I want to know. (laughs) Will you show me? (laughs) (laughs) Will you show me what actually happened? Because they, they do the whole, like, this is the crime. Then they give you this much of the trial. Like, fucking tiny little bite of the <laughs> trial yeah yeah and so then you're like wait 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 wait, wait, wait. i want to know so much more
1: i have so many questions
0: so i want to read that book i think that that book will give me so many more details and if i do read it i think you and i can do a reactionary episode to the book which will be yeah fascinating. so obviously it's down until august of 2019 so we got some time but i think it'll be an interesting read yeah i agree All right, well, that is our case today. I was going to do fun facts, but we are actually going to be recording a reactionary episode after this, which will be uploaded after this episode. So we are going to just jump into that. And so there will be no fun facts this week, which I'm super sorry about. This week, fun has been canceled. (laughs) Due to sadness of cults.
1: Just death and coercion. And destruction. Yes, and until then, thank you for listening to this horrible case.
0: Yeah, it's a shit show. It was terrible in every sense of the word. There was nothing good that came out of it except for one person survived.
1: Except maybe the awareness that you may also be in a cult and that you should leave.
0: Yeah. uh... Get some help. Luckily, there are starting to become cults debriefing places that you can go to, which is kind of insane. Like places you can find housing and which I think is so important. Finding housing Wasn't
1: that a thing in the 80s though, of like deprogramming people doing cults and it was like super controversial?
0: No. So you're thinking of something different. I'm thinking of debriefing from a psychologist who basically walks through your beliefs because you were in a church and kind of reconstructs your thinking so that you're not no longer thinking like a cult member. And you can kind of see why, like, see why your thought process isn't working.
1: Mm, Yeah, why what you think this is might not be what it is. Yeah,
0: and and why they wanted you to feel that way. They're also just, I left a cult, I have nothing, and this is a place that will come and, like, take me in, give me a place to stay, find me resources, get me, you know.
1: Oh, and get me back on my feet. So, like, a re-entry,
0: like a re-entry, but for a cult. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. I love that they have that. Yeah. I approve. And there's this one cult member. She was a member of a cult. I can't remember which cult. And she created it. She created it oh, in her area. Oh, okay. Yep, because that. she had nowhere. So, yeah. Um, we will continue to talk about cults for the rest of my life because I think <laughs> that they're the coolest, most fascinating aspect of human psychology. Yes. Yes, it is. So, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> yes. Please rate and subscribe. <laughs> thank you so much. We love you. So, we're sorry. <laughs>
1: to know can you show me i want to know about the strangers like me i want (laughs) to know about the murderers like me wait what what the fuck (laughs)